welcome to another episode of The Rage Beyond the Pages, where each week we take a deeper look at topics that burn through our pages. As always, I'm Brianne Hendricks, Managing Editor, and I'm with my co-host Melissa Watson, our News Director, and Morgan Fontenot, one of our reporters. Um, so tonight I'd like to start with a recent controversy around South Louisiana. I don't know if uh, our listeners have all seen the infamous SNL skit, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's caused a lot of people to get upset. Some think, you know, rightly so, as they did poke fun at Louisiana culture. Um, others think it's all good and fun and games. So, um, Morgan, what did you kind of feel from the students talking? I actually um, felt a lot of just mixed feelings. It was kind of half and okay. half. Half students were like, yeah, it was like so funny. I loved it, and they, some of them thought, yeah, I thought it really represented Louisiana. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Um, a chili, the chili pepper with the sunglasses. Yeah, the chili pepper with the sunglasses. But, um, and then, you know, other students were, like, basically, like, uh, this is not Louisiana. Like, in a way it is, but it's, like, really not. Like, the, the accent, yeah. like, to me, okay, I'm Cajun. Yeah. That was not a Cajun accent. I know, I mean understand it's comedy yeah so of course they're gonna make it really dramatic yeah but uh yeah to me it did sound kind of more of like a new orleans style accent i would say but, and, uh, and for the listeners the title of the skit is bayou benny's liberal lawn yop by snl yeah, yeah. on and they they think they said it was on aoc yeah, they mentioned yeah. Decadian yeah. Open Channel, which I found. Yeah, they gave a shout out. I found that interesting. Yeah. yeah. And apparently AOC loved it. <laughs> really? Yeah, AOC is like, they're so thankful. I guess just thankful for the, for the publicity. shout out, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because you, you have seen Cajun people presented in such a way in the media over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the mosquito and the princess and the frog was... It's a lightning bug. Yeah, a lightning bug. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Could be a mosquito. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, if they really wanted to present Cajun culture, it would have been a mosquito. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that guy, and then, you know, yeah, I mean, the, the water boy, which is still a sore spot for some Cajun people, it's just really interesting dynamic if people uh, can take a joke or if it's, you know, offensive. I, I thought it was really interesting how the main joke of the skit was that they were Cajun, but that they were uh, liberal, and that was their agenda. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Because historically, people down here have always been Democrats. It wasn't mm-hmm. until recently that it flipped. Also, where did the biscuit come from? The same. Like, I don't know if that was a dig at, like, Popeye's biscuit. I don't know. I but don't know. That's what I first thought. I was like, ooh, Popeye's biscuit. You Whenever know. the biscuit came out, I'm like, yeah. and then there's a biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but UL's very, very protective of their branding. Very protective. And I was really surprised that, I mean, I don't know, maybe SNL got a cease and desist letter about using the uh, the chili pepper with the sunglasses. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't think the chili pepper's in their branding anymore. Yeah, officially. They, they got angry at, uh, at us two weeks ago for SPJ's chili pepper. For the chili pepper? Yeah, because on our, our Twitter account, it was SP, and then the J was a chili pepper. And I got a uh, cease and desist, change this now. Because chili pepper. But I don't even know, like, 
if you think about it, maybe SNL doesn't even know that the Cajun, Raging Cajuns are the chili pepper. You know, like maybe they were just like, ooh, maybe. Cajun food, spicy. No, pepper. I think, I think, I think that they do because it, because it was set in Lafayette. But they then, mentioned Tulane University, though. That's the thing. Like, that's all the way in New Orleans. They said the alligator was an alumnus from Tulane. <laughs> so that was kind of weird, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Just to me, the fact that they said Acadia in an open channel makes me think that they know about the chili pepper from UL, but maybe I don't know. Conspiracy. It, yeah, it would have been a little. It would have been a little uh, strange if they did enough research just to know AOC, but not enough research right. to know like the chili pepper is UL. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's um, moving on from that topic. Um, our main topic that I really want to get into tonight is um, student voting, or rather, the amount of students uh, that go out and vote in state and national elections. Historically, uh, millennials have been the lowest voter turnout. Is Hist- that right, Melissa? Historically, young people have always, yeah, young people. Uh, have always uh, had a really low voter turnout. Uh, the more affluent you are, and the older you are, and frankly, the wider you are, the more likely you are to vote. Mm-hmm. That's what the numbers really follow. So it's mostly older, affluent white people that vote. And in my story that I did this week, um, Dr. Cross, who's the associate dean of liberal arts and a political science professor, uh, said that. And I learned that in his class last semester as well. And then he also he also said that this this reflects in our policies a lot because our our yes. policies favor older, more affluent white Americans yeah. more than any other di- uh, white dem- uh, sorry any other American demographic, um, and this this is of course because of the fact that they have power in every sense money race age wise but also because they show up to the polls mm-hmm. and because the people that they vote for and that they elect represent that demographic so i thought that was interesting um and then i did speak to the league of women voters alicia chasson who is the spokesperson for them said that sometimes it's just that students uh don't realize that they can register to vote out of their dorm that they can list their dorm as their residence when they when they register to vote after they move move away to college I had no idea about that. You hear that, listeners? Register out of your dorm. Yeah, you can list your dorm as your place of re- uh, residence when you register to vote in Lafayette. If you if you live at UL and you don't live at home anymore. Um, and then I also spoke to the president of Young Americans for Liberty, and he basically said that you know he has a lot of faith in us, and he thinks that this generation is one of the most active generations politically yeah. and that you know i i agree with him and that that we have a lot of potential yeah but our will we exercise it is the thing yeah i think if uh if anything right now the younger generations are finding that we have a lot to lose right we have a lot to lose i mean i don't know if any other generations have had to deal with things such as like climate change like we do i mean the people that are voting right now Frankly, they'll be dead by the time any of these like horrific events come around. But that'll be within our lifetimes. Yes, and another thing that uh, 
older people always have the upper hand when it comes to things like this because they've already established themselves mm -hmm. in the political market mm -hmm. in a way that we haven't. They know where they fit in. They know where their stakes are. We're just now coming into full citizenship. So, of course, whenever things come on the ballot that seem uh, out of our interest, yeah, it kind of leads to people not showing up to the polls. Yeah. I mean, to be frank, we did a preview. So we did a voter ballot guide this week. And uh, I had to have Melissa sit down with me and explain a few things because it was even beyond my realm of understanding. And it's, it's just horrible because it's, it's supposed to be whenever you go to vote, it should be that everyone should be able to understand what they're voting on. But the language is so convoluted that you you have no idea whether you're voting yes or no on. I think I think it's two things. One, that the concern isn't placed in people fully understanding what they're voting for, number one. Mm -hmm. And number two, legal language is supposed to be bulletproof. It's supposed to be leak-proof. Whenever people write these ballots, it can't be construed in a way that thinks of multiple meanings. Yeah. That people... Uh, find leaks in the in the wording. They find loopholes in the wording. So the way it's worded is convoluted and specific and academic because yeah. they want to be as specific as they can in that short amount of space they have. So it is it is terrible to read, and I feel like it's 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 hindering democracy, frankly. Yeah. But it's a liability issue, I think. I understand that. There's there's one other thing I did want to talk about that we didn't cover in the Vermilion because it's it's a Lafayette issue. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have heard about the amend not amendment uh, proposition proposition that was put forward that um, citizens of Lafayette would get free bus transportation on election day. Right. And I thought that was a fantastic thing because everyone should be able to like find a place to go vote and be transported like transported to that voting place. Um, that ballot, well, that that. Proposition was struck down because the attorney general said it was illegal and electioneering, and I kind of wanted to get your your feelings on that. Hmm. So, like, I what I heard was uh, they have to like pay for the bus, mm -hmm. right? Um. I mean, I don't know. I, I I don't really know all the laws, so I don't know if it's like really illegal or not. I mean. It seems very minuscule. I feel like, I agree, I feel like everybody should have um, some sort of transportation to get to it, you know? So, I don't know. The thing, the thing, and I, I don't mean to get super cynical, <laughs> but one of the things that's, that's probably, an, I'm not saying it's the main cause of this, but I think it's an underlying thing, is that the kinds of demographics that would take advantage of free transportation to the polls aren't the demographics that they necessarily care about well i know jeff landry has said he wants to run for governor right yeah and just remember what we said before the people who show up to the polls and vote are the older wealthier uh white demographic these people aren't people that need free public transportation to the polls and the people who are in power right now that vote for this transportation thing or put in that position mm -hmm. by the people that don't need transportation to the polls. And if people all of a sudden have access to transportation to the polls, those people 
will get voted out. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, if I, that's I, the case, then I mean that is kind of messed up if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. We don't really know what the actual reason is. Why of course not. But not that, doing that. But I mean, that doesn't. Make sense. I'm just. Yeah. This is my estimation. Yeah. This is just my prediction as to what might be an underlying reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and if disen- disenfranchised people are. People are still disenfranchised, even if they're disenfranchised by poverty, if they're disenfranchised by uh, alienation from poll locations. Yeah. It's still disenfranchisement. And there is an advantage to sectioning off parts of the population whenever you're relying on one that will always show up. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, It is worth pointing out to our listeners that Uber and Lyft have both said that they will give free rides on election day. Which is great. Yeah, which is great. You just have to install the app on your phone. I I don't know if you would need to sign up or not. Probably, which could be a problem for some people. But uh, Uber and Lyft is doing free rides on election day. Right. And if you're having a hard time understanding the ballot... You could consult our guide as well as the guide um, put out by the League of Women Voters. I found that one very hard to understand. Uh, sorry, very easy to understand mm-hmm. uh, because everything's framed in question form, which personally I find that easy to understand. Yeah, it's do you support do you, this? Do you want this? Do you do you not want this? Yeah. Um, I think the last one of the last things we should talk about is a, is a huge thing that's going to be on the ballot. Which is uh, Amendment 2. Yes, unanimous juries. Unanimous juries. Um, yeah, let's, di- let's dive into that a little bit. Yes. Um, so, for our listeners, um, basically, the unanimous juries amendment would make it so that uh, to convict a criminal, it would have to be 12 out of 12 jurors yeah. instead of 10 out of 12. Of a felony. Of a felony, yeah. right. My bad. I thought it was a felony, but I kind of I was <laughs> unsure. Uh, and this is this is very uh, this is very interesting because um, this would make uh, hung juries mm-hmm. a big issue. Yeah. Um, and hung juries are whenever there's only one or two people that are uh, opposing the rest of the jury's verdict. Which it's also good to point out that this is a standard in. I want to say almost every other state. Right. Every other state, you have to have 12 out of 12 people to convict for felony. Right. It's just in Louisiana that we have this archaic law that makes it 10 out of 12, which can put some people, um, especially if you have a certain type of jury, in prison, even though there's some doubt there. Absolutely. And there's a a process that happens before these before these trials, these jury trials, where mm-hmm. the prosecution and the defense can look at the jury and eliminate members. Just I think a few of them they can eliminate just because they want to. Right. Some sort of reasoning usually mm-hmm. is that they feel like it would be a biased juror in the trial, um, and in the historical uh, racist South where um, it was commonplace that there would only be one African-American on the jury. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily an issue because it wasn't unanimous. Yeah. This is, some, this is kind of a thing that's getting rehashed with this amendment, is this issue of there's someone who's a minority, there's someone who deviates from the rest of the group on mm-hmm. the jury because the elimination process isn't, isn't 
going to necessarily be perfe- perfectly carried out. I hate to worry, word it that way, but their plan <laughs> won't work uh, 100% of the time, and then sometimes it will completely fall through because I think of the it, unanimous it's, it's kind of just bringing us into the 21st century, to be honest, with our criminal justice system. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Older, white, yeah. affluent yeah. people yeah. don't want to be in the 21st century, and neither do the people that they vote for. True. So. Um, This has been a very eye-opening episode. Please tune in next week as we have our Halloween episode. This podcast was edited by LaShayla Lumpkin. Our photo coordinator 